for me in boot camp, one of the things I would always do is anytime something happened and nobody would fess up to it is I'd raise my hand. I'd say, I did it, Petty Officer. And it got to a point where anytime that they asked something and I started to raise my hand, they'd say, not you, Anderson, we know you didn't do it. And even if it was like something that I did do, I couldn't fess up to it anymore. But as boot camp progressed, more and more people caught on to what I was doing. And so then anytime something would happen, multiple people would confess to it to a point where when something would happen that would go wrong, all of us would get in trouble for it. And it would be like a one team, one fight type thing. Hello and welcome to the Your Best Selfie podcast. I'm your host, Carrie And. I'm a content marketer, creator, and coach with one goal, to help you tap into your inner wisdom so you can show up as your best self at home and online. On this podcast, we'll talk to awesome humans about how they have tapped into being their best selves, finding alignment with what we were truly put on this planet to do, and how social media makes a difference in our lives. I started this podcast because I hear from way too many friends and clients who know that they want more from their lives, yet they're terrified to take that first step. I hope this podcast will inspire you to help you break out of your comfort zone, to step into the life that you are truly meant to live. I hope that you'll leave each episode feeling inspired, uplifted, and ready to live your life as the best version of you every single day, while feeling brave enough to share that person with all of us online too. Now, whether you're listening in your car, while you're cleaning the house, or you're just kicking back playing with your phone, we'll always start out the same way. I invite you to stop what you're doing and take a deep breath with me. Make it the deepest one that you've taken all day. Awesome. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey friends, Carrie here, and I am so excited to have today on the podcast my husband, Andrew Anderson. Andrew is a veteran, so I thought that it would be really fitting for Veterans Day today. He was in the Navy, and he'll get into all of his credentials and description of what he did in the Navy, but I'm super excited to honor him in this way and also just to introduce you to him because when I was starting this podcast, he was obviously a guest that I want to have on. He's the first man that I've interviewed on this podcast, so that is pretty special as well. And I'm just super excited for you to get to know a little bit more about him. We kept this episode really focused on his service. So let's just jump in. Here is today's episode with my husband, Andrew Anderson. All right. Thanks, Andrew, so much for being on this episode of the Your Best Selfie podcast. This is our special Veterans Day episode. So I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. I'm also excited to be here. Thanks, babe. And I want to say up front, thank you for your service, because that's something that I'm really proud of you for. And I know that everybody that's listening to this episode will want to say the same. Thank you. Okay. So I start every episode of the Your Best Selfie podcast asking, when do you feel most like your best self? I think it's when I'm using my creativity to just come up with new and creative things. Yeah. And you are super creative. So what's the last thing that you have created recently? I've been using my 3D printer a lot in the last few months and have printed some stuff, but the biggest thing is this new helmet that I'm working on. Yeah, that's been fun to watch you just within the past couple of years, like really lean into your creativity, but it's come out for you in terms of cosplay. Yeah, I didn't really expect to ever get into it, but the more I got into it, the more uh, just interesting things I've been able to incorporate into making like a costume. 
that I am now wearing to sporting events. And you do like, you look so cool in your Mandalorian costume. You wear it to Cardinals games. And that's one thing that I really admire about you is that you don't ever feel self-conscious. Like you're like, yeah, look at me in my cool Mandalorian outfit. And if it was me, I would be like, oh my gosh, don't look at me. I'm so like, I just try to blend in, especially at games. So what do you think that is about you that's really turned on in the past couple of years? I think it's the realization that most of the people that are seeing me are people I'm never going to interact with ever again. And so I can't be embarrassed to just show off in front of them because they don't know me. And, you know, it's just kind of that, that factor of making a scene in front of a crowd and, and kind of getting people to come over and want to take pictures with me and stuff. Yeah. And I love that because you're right in the fact that nobody cares. You're never going to see these people again, but also you're making them happy. Like you're bringing them joy because they want to take their picture with you. So obviously you look freaking cool. The other part about it too, is that they can't see my face. So they don't even know who I am or what I look like underneath the mask. So it's, it's kind of an interesting part of being able to go out and then not really worry about being self-conscious about what people are going to think. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So let's jump in to the military questions. Cause I do want this to be mostly a military based episode since it's veterans day. And so can you start by like, if you were talking to somebody that you just met that said, oh, you were in the Navy, like what was your rank and branch and time in? Like, give me a little background on the logistics of what you did in the Navy. So I went to boot camp in April of 2011, and I finished up my Navy career, just my four-year commitment in April of 2015. And at the end, uh, my rank was petty officer second class. Uh, when I went in, I actually had done JROTC, which gave me advanced ranks. So I started off as an E3 and ended as an E5, which was the petty officer second class. And what did you do? My official rating in the Navy was culinary specialist. And most people would assume that's just being a cook, but there was a lot more to it than that because in the culinary specialist rating, you can work in hospitality, you can uh, work within cargo and be part of the logistics side and not just the food preparation side. And I kind of weaved my way through a lot of the things that a culinary specialist can do. Uh, not only that, but I also went to temporary additional duties to where I would work in security and another one where I would work in maintenance. So I, I kind of got my fill in with doing everything I could possibly do on the ship while I was on the USS Ronald Reagan. And that was a lot of experience to gain in the three and a half years I was on there. Yeah, for sure. So let's start at the very beginning. I had forgotten I wasn't going to talk about ROTC, but I think that's kind of an important part because I feel like you got a little bit of a taste of what it would be like to be in the military. So when you were in high school and you joined JROTC, why did you decide to do that in high school? Like what was the draw to it? So I actually, when I started high school in my freshman year, I was not in JROTC. And the options we have at our high schools out here is you have to take PE for two years. And then the other alternatives, uh, one of which is dance. And the other one was, well, you could also do marching band, which would get you out of PE. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what I did. And uh, JROTC for two years, which is the one other option. So I was thinking, oh, I'm going to take dance. And for my first, I guess, two weeks of high school, like I was in dance and I hated it. I was the only guy in the class, obviously. 
and it just did not fit well with me. But also in the first two weeks of high school, we also had a major event that occurred in 9-11. And so it was really that week that I was like, I went to my counselor. I said, can I switch from dance to JROTC? And they're like, yeah, we're early enough. You can do it. So in that first month of high school after 9-11 occurred, I switched to JROTC and there was not very many kids in that program. And that semester, the next semester, boom, it was it was wild. It doubled. And I, I feel like that was one of the main contributing factors to the huge number of people doing JROTC is because we were in that kind of state and where, you know, people were going to end up serving because we were at war. Yeah. Wow. So then after you graduated, you kind of left it behind, right? Like, was there ever any thought as soon as you graduated that you wanted to join the military or no, and- what were you thinking after high school? When I was in high school still, they made us take the ASVAB and I had scored so high on my ASVAB that I was getting constant calls and we were having recruiters show up to my house. What's the ASVAB? ASVAB is the, the testing that they have you do in high school. And also it's a requirement to determine what kind of job you would have in the military. And the highest score you can get on the ASVAB is a 99. And then the, the low end scores are around 20, but the average score in the ASVAB is between 40 and 60. And, and so what'd you get? Uh, 98. Dang. And yeah, they wanted me to be a helicopter pilot. And, and it got to a point where it was more of a nuisance that they were coming at me. And it actually deterred me from wanting to join. And I was sort of anti-military at that point where I was just, I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff that was happening. And then I was personally affected because Pat Tillman was killed in action in the same time period where it was like, I was about to graduate from high school and, you know, he was somebody I really idolized. So made it difficult to, to want to go in that same direction. Yeah. So what eventually was the driving force for you joining the Navy? I think it was just, we went into a really bad recession in 2009. I struggled to find work the entire year of 2010. Uh, It was like, I'd go and I'd apply somewhere and then they would tell me I'm overqualified. And I would explain, I just need a job. And they said, we well, we'd hire you, but you know, you're just going to go somewhere else right away. And, but the problem was everything I was qualified for was on hiring locks where they wouldn't hire anybody. And so I was just struggling to find a place to work. And I finally said, you know, the military is not going to say I'm overqualified or underqualified. They need the bodies. I'm going to join and do the time and then get out and then reap benefits however I can. And you had an angel tell you that you should join. Can we talk about that story? (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I had gone out for my birthday in 2010 and I got food poisoning and was really sick. And I really enjoyed going to football games. And so that Friday night I got sick. And then Saturday I was like, still going to go to this ASU game. I'm still going to go. So I go to the ASU game with my dad and I'm just down in the dumps, unemployed, you know, just was sick all night and just looked awful. And the security guard that was kind of walking up and down the, the stairs in the stadium, he came up, he's like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just, I'm kind of at a bad point in my life and I was sick and I'm unemployed and blah, blah, blah. And he said, and he just looked me square in the eyes and said, you should join the Navy. And I looked at him like, what? And he said, I'm a, I'm a CB 
on reserves. And if you want to have a job where you know that your job is there the next day, join the Navy, just do it. And on Monday, I called a recruiting office and talked to a Navy recruiter and, you know, they gave me a shot. I was a little bit overweight, but they're like, oh, let's just, uh, let's get you down and take an ASVAB. And so I took their practice ASVAB and I got the printout and I took it over to him. I said, hey, I apologize. I didn't score as high as I did in high school. He, he's like, oh, okay. He looks at it and he's like, are you serious? Did you cheat? No. And I had scored a 93 in that one. And he said, I've never had anyone score this high in an ASVAB before. And I was like, well, it's not the real one. He's like, yeah, we're going to take you to do a real one right now. So they took me downtown Phoenix and I took a real ASVAB and I scored a 95. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and they were like, we can get you to do whatever you want in the Navy and we just have to get security clearance and whatnot. So yeah, I was going to go into the Navy to be part of a nuke program, to be an electronics technician within the, the nuclear power field. And that was all set up and I had gone to boot camp. And while I was in boot camp, I found out that my top secret clearance had not passed. And so they gave me a few options. I could either go home and that was it. I could be an undesignated sailor, which means you don't have a actual job in the Navy and you are essentially the whipping boy, or we can make you into the rate that is the most undermanned rate right now. And that was culinary specialist. And I said, I joined the Navy for a job. I want to have a job and know what my job is. So please just make me a culinary specialist and I will do what I need to do. So that is the story on how someone with a score in their ASVAB over the 90s becomes a culinary specialist. It ended up being exactly what you needed, though. Like that was like you said, you needed a job, you got a job and you were in it for the time and you did it. It ended up working out being in that rating just because they need people that are smart to be in that rating as well, because there's a lot of math involved with the cargo and the the logistics of ordering things. And I felt like I was a valuable member of my command because if they needed something that was a little bit more complicated done, they would come to me and they would ask me to do it. And so then I, I, I felt the value in my knowledge of, of math and, and, and everything else. For sure. So I think that one of the things that would scare me the most about joining the military, and I'm sure other people is boot camp. So what was your experience like there? Like, where did you go? And was it the hardest thing you've ever done in your life? Uh, I wouldn't say it was the hardest physical thing I've ever done in my life, but mentally it's, it's more a way for them to see if they can break you and make you want to quit. And I got there in April of 2011 and it was in Chicago, Illinois. It's just North of Chicago and Great Lakes. And uh, I think the biggest um, like slap in the face for me was that when I got there, there was snow on the ground and they just had a blizzard and I had just come from 90 degree weather in Phoenix. So it was just this crazy turnaround and, and like temperature change for me. And I was dressed with a t-shirt and shorts and I was walking through snow, not really expecting that. And the first week is you're doing a lot of processing and they are, they don't really have the permission to like do anything to you because you haven't passed your medical assessments. But the moment that you get cleared for medical is the moment that they start doing, you know, having you do physical exercises as punishment, you know, drop and give me 50 and you have to do 50 push-ups, and 
I think the the fear that everyone has in boot camp is how much physical stuff you have to do. But one of the main things is that if you keep your nose out of trouble, you can most of the time get away with not having to do a lot of that stuff. But for me in boot camp, one of the things I would always do is anytime something happened and nobody would fess up to it is I'd raise my hand. I'd say, I did it, petty officer. And it got to a point where anytime that they asked something and I started to raise my hand, they'd say, not you, Anderson, we know you didn't do it. And even if it was like something that I did do, I couldn't fess up to it anymore. But as boot camp progressed, more and more people caught on to what I was doing. And so then anytime something would happen, multiple people would confess to it to a point where when something would happen that would go wrong, all of us would get in trouble for it. And it would be like a one team, one fight type thing. And I think that built us to be a stronger group that instead of punishing the individual, you punish the group. And so that it would make people not want to mess up because if they did mess up, they knew that the other guys in the division would get the same punishment that they would have gotten. So it made us stronger. But boot camp, I mean, one of the hardest days for us was May 1st, 2011. We woke up to finding out Osama bin Laden had been killed. And our uh, drill instructors were more mad that they weren't able to be out partying with everyone else and they were stuck in there with us. So it made it uh, an interesting day uh, for, for all of us that like, hey, we all joined to fight against terrorism, but the lead terrorist has been killed by the Navy SEALs and we're in the Navy right now. And that was kind of a weird time period I didn't get to experience. And I like know that it happened, but for me, it like didn't happen because I was kind of secluded in my own little world. Yeah, I always find that interesting when like we talk about something pop culture or history related and you're like, wait, when did that happen? And it's almost like, I mean, really the whole four years that you were in, there are some things that you just missed because you were so focused on your own little Navy bubble and you didn't really hear so much that was happening in the world. Yeah, any movies, music, uh, world events, anything that happened between 2011, 2015, I probably didn't hear about it. I know there was a lot of like court cases and stuff that I was like, what happened? Like, who is that? And it seems weird because like normally I keep up with a lot of things and I know everything that's happening. But being in the Navy, you don't really focus on all the other stuff happening out in the world because you have too much stuff to focus in on what you're doing with your job. Well, and even out at sea, would there be times when you had no internet access or were you pretty connected even in the middle of the ocean? The internet access is very few and far between. It was really slow. Uh, You could try to get on Facebook, but it was like a mobile version that had no photos and it was just text. So it was kind of like a weird, like if you really want to go in there and just to see like updates and you can maybe send some messages, but it wasn't like instantaneous, like it would take a while. And also the timing that you would have on the computer was like 15 minutes. So you would go on there, send some emails and then like jump back off, like trying to open up a Facebook page would take like two, three minutes. So it was like not really worth the timing that you would have to use a computer. But your dad would send you like newspaper clippings and stuff, right? Yes. He actually kept me up to date on sports. And that was the one thing that I still kept, you know, current with was what was happening in the sports world. So I would get like the who was selected in the draft and and stuff, but he would send me the newspaper copies of it. So I, I became kind of popular in that aspect where I was able to share it with other people like, oh, hey, here's the who all got drafted in the NFL draft. And, you know, that was, you know, exciting just to read it in person. That's so cool. 
Hey friends, Carrie here, taking a minute to interrupt this podcast to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Amazon. Okay, not really. But if you're enjoying what you're hearing, I would love it if you would use my Amazon Associates link to do all of your Amazon shopping. There's no extra cost to you, but I get a little bit of a kickback whenever you buy something from Amazon. I have a whole bunch of lists of my favorite things, including my favorite books and my favorite toddler books over at amazon.yourbestselfiepodcast.com. So head over there, buy all the things that you would buy on Amazon. And again, there's no extra cost to you, but it helps support this podcast and the work that I'm doing. Again, that's amazon.yourbestselfiepodcast.com and the link is also in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for your support and let's get back to the show. This is a question I just thought of that I don't know the answer for, but did you ever get care packages and stuff? Like you hear about classrooms or I know I've sent care packages to soldiers before. Did you ever get stuff like that when you were on board? Yes, there was this family that sent a care package to a lot of people that were in the, I was part of what's called a fire team where we made sure that when we had contractors on board to do welding, I was part of the fire team that would assign sailors out to watch the, the welding area to make sure no fires happened. So they would stay there like 30 minutes after the welding was complete. And we got care packages that came into our, our fire team and it was all from the same family, you know, somewhere in the US. And, but they included like candy and uh, hot cocoa. It was around Christmas and, and Christmas cards and stuff. So I said, hey, we all got stuff from the same people. So let's all take a picture of us holding it up. And then we emailed it to the family. And it was like really nice. Like we got a really nice response. And they're like, we didn't know if you who would get it and, or if anyone would get it. So it makes us feel better that, you know, we know that, that a bunch of sailors got it. So, and, you know, we told them how appreciative we were. That's so cool. It makes me want to cry. I love that. Okay. Let me recompose myself. One thing that I had kind of prepped you for in our family, we talk about highs and lows. So every night at the dinner table, we always say, what was your high point and your low point of the day? So do you have a high point and a low point of your military time in mind? Yeah, I do. And I'll start with the low point first. The low, the lowest low point I ever had my entire time in the Navy was the 4th of July, 2014. And it should have been like a cool time because we were in port in Hawaii, in Pearl Harbor, but I had been selected to be part of the crew that was doing the cooking for the ship that evening. And they asked me to make a certain amount of the main course, which was this fish. And I sort of questioned it saying, hey, I don't think very many people are going to eat on board this evening. And they're like, this is the amount that we pulled for you, so make it. And I think I made probably like 240 pounds of this fish. And I kept track of how many people came through our our meal line that night. And I had 15 sailors come and eat. (laughs) And so what ends up happening when we have that much leftover food is we have to throw it out. And in Pearl Harbor, where we were positioned on a pier, the closest dumpster that we had was about three quarters of a mile away. And we had no way to get the trash bags to that dumpster without just walking them. So if you can imagine, I took it upon myself. I said, hey, I'm going to throw away all this fish because I don't expect anybody else to have to do this. Should have fought harder not to make it. 
I should have just not made some of it and, but, and then, you know, risk the chance of getting in trouble for not making it, but I made it. So this hot, nasty fish, I got it loaded up into trash bags. I tied the bags together and I had basically four bags of this gross fish. And, you know, when I have the bags tied together, I put one over one shoulder and one over the other shoulder. So that's basically a bag in the front, front, right, front, left, back, right, back, left. So that it's four bags kind of balancing themselves over my shoulders. And I get all the way to that dumpster and it's just a ton of weight, probably about 200 pounds worth of fish. And uh, I go up the steps to, to throw the fish away. And then I, I grab the bag and I swing it back to throw it. And in the back swing, the bag rips open and all of the fish comes out and it goes down my back all over the back of my legs I can just feel it and it was just putrid (laughs) it was like just the worst feeling you could ever have and and like just think like I got all the way to this dumpster and it just ripped open on me and like the finish line and uh I remember just like defeated and walking back to the ship and I stopped at this like little shack that they had out on the pier where you could go in and buy an energy drink and I was like yeah I just need an energy drink just to like because I'm gonna do go out and drink tonight or something and I walked in that shack and then I the lady at the counter said it smells like fish in here and I was like yo that's me I'm sorry (laughs) she's like what and I turn around she's like oh my gosh she just gave me the energy drink didn't even charge me for it so I left and I I remember that I went out to the pier that night and I I drank uh, quite a few beers to to try to uh, lessen that that night but that was one of my worst nights in the Navy where I just felt defeated and like (laughs) it and it's and it's not even that bad of an experience like like nobody died and nobody really got hurt it was just like a personal defeat for me where it was just like a bad night yeah but okay my my high my whole time in the Navy was they had asked me to come in on a Sunday to do extra duty, which I wasn't really pleased about, but they're like, you need to bring your dress whites and be ready because we have special guests on the ship. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll be in there. And so I'm there and I'm seeing the guests arrive. And then I'm realizing that, oh, this is sporting teams. And it was Arizona State and Texas Tech that was showing up. And backstory for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a huge, huge Arizona State fan. I even have the, the mascot for Arizona State tattooed on my leg. And so, you know, it's the football team that's coming on the ship. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that they're playing in this bowl game that's in San Diego. So they got picked to come on our ship. I'm like, well, now I'm not so mad that I have to do duty today. So I was, you know, kind of excited. And then they're uh, they're like, hey, we want you to sit at this table with, you know, the the crew from Arizona State. Okay. And so I'm sitting next to the quarterback from Arizona State and like the defensive lineman that I, I knew, Will Sutton, like a bunch of players who ended up playing in the NFL as well. And then they're, they came, came to a point where they're like, we're going to name the honorary team captain. And they say my name. And I'm like awestruck just going up onto the stage and they're handing me a jersey and an ASU jersey that says USS Ronald Reagan, which I still have. And it's like my favorite jersey just because it was like custom for me and there's no other jersey like it. And uh, then they gave me a, a pass that got me into the game the next day that also was a field pass. And then I was out there for the coin toss and I got to go back in with the locker room and it was just like just the inclusion that that occurred with that and it was just like I got to feel like I was part of the team 
That's so cool. I love that for you. Who picked you for that? Was it like a nomination thing or? I think because they knew that somebody from, they wanted to have somebody from Arizona and somebody from Texas to represent the honorary team captain. But the people in my command knew that I was an Arizona State fan because I have the tattoo on my leg. So they're like, oh, this guy has to be the one. And so kind of behind the scenes, the chain of command was trying to decide who to pick. And so I was the one that ended up getting picked for the Arizona State. And I didn't even know that they were going to be coming to the ship. And it's funny the day before that I had gone to I think downtown San Diego and I'd seen stuff for the holiday bowl and that was going to be happening and I saw like Arizona State I'm like oh yeah like maybe I'll go to that game and then I didn't know like the next day that they were going to be giving me a jersey and a, a field pass for it that is so cool Okay, so you transition into my next question. Perfect, because since we're talking about Arizona State and football, and you mentioned him already, but I want to talk about Pat Tillman. And I would love it if you would share your backstory with him and why you feel so connected to him in general. When I was a kid, I was about 10 years old. I started going to Arizona State football games with my parents because my sister was a freshman at ASU. And during those games, there was this guy with long hair that would just make tackles left and right and was very noticeable. And his name is Pat Tillman. And I really, really liked the guy just because it was exciting for a kid to watch, you know, this this guy run and hit people real hard. And it just seemed like somebody with a lot of character and charisma. And then he got selected in the NFL draft to go to the Cardinals, which, you know, my favorite NFL team is Arizona Cardinals. So it was exciting for me even more, you know, I'm 11 years old, 12 years old. So I convinced my parents, hey, we got to get season tickets to the Cardinals because I want to go see Pat Tillman and Jake Plummer, who also played for ASU, is going to play for the Cardinals. So we ended up buying season tickets for the Cardinals. And then I was like, I want to go to the training camp. And so I would go to training camp up in Flagstaff and where the Cardinals were going to be for their uh, summer training camp. And I would, you know, look for Pat Tillman, try to get his attention and stuff. And the, the most I ever got was a, a photo with him which is the one photo that I have with Pat Tillman up in Flagstaff and was really exciting. And then we had that the situation with 9-11 and he decided to, instead of renew his contract with the NFL, he joined the army. And I felt like there's some uh, similarities in, in his story and my story as far as I immediately switched from what I was doing to, to do something else, to go into JROTC. He quit the NFL, gave up millions and joined the army Rangers. And uh, inevitably, he was ended up being killed in action by friendly fire. But before he had left Arizona, I um, had a family friend that worked within the Cardinals in the public relations office, and he knew what a big fan of Pat Tillman I was. And he uh, reached out to Pat and then ended up getting uh, an autograph photo for me that personalized to me. It says, you know, to Andrew, best wishes for all you do. And with his, his signature and it means a lot to me and I have it framed in my room. And yeah, Pat Tillman is really important in my life. And I know he's important to a lot of Arizona sports fans just because he did his college football time here. He played in the NFL here. And now we have a run every year called the Pat Tillman run where people go out and and participate in that just one of the most popular uh, marathons that occurs locally here. Yeah. And he's always honored in like the games. There's a statue in front of the Cardinals stadium and they always wear like his number on their jerseys and helmets and stuff. Right. Yeah. 
And then plus a way that you've honored him is your oldest son, Aaron, his middle name is Patrick, which I think is so cool that you incorporated that in as well. That was your time in the military. And then let's talk about how we met because that happened very shortly after. So a week after you got out of the military, right? Yeah, I got out of the military April 3rd, 2015. And then we met on the 13th? Yes. And how did we meet? So we met on Tinder and there was just a message waiting for me that had three letters and it said MTG question mark. And I I know that you knew that would get my attention because I played Magic the Gathering and that is the acronym for Magic the Gathering. And we had mutual friends and the mutual friends we had were Magic players. And so I immediately look at the mutual friends and I see one that I trusted his opinion. So I messaged him. I said, hey, you know this girl, Carrie? And then he just responds with, LOL, she's messaging me about you. (laughs) That's so cute. And yeah. And for the record, I do not play magic, but I knew people in that community. So when I saw that we had the mutual friends, Tinder tells you who your mutual friends are. Um, I knew that you played magic. Right. So yeah, that was my way. I messaged you first to kind of capture you. Yeah. And we spent like all night talking, texting. Yeah. It was super easy. And then the next day we met up at Starbucks and we got pedicures. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting icebreaker where you were pointed over. Oh, yeah, I like to get pedicures over there. I'm like, let's go then. And we went and got our own pedicures. And I felt like that was like a way to have like a comfortable afternoon where it put you in your element of being comfortable and and we could still chat. And Yeah, that was awesome. That was a fun first date. And I think we've had like two pedicures in our entire time together. So it wasn't <laughs> something we made a habit. Right. And now we've been together for six and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And then we got married and I feel like we could do a whole other podcast just on like our relationship, but I want to keep this as military as possible. So keeping in that vein, it was difficult for you to transition back into civilian life. And one of my biggest regrets in our relationship is that I don't feel like I was as understanding about that because I just saw you as this hot single guy who was just out of the Navy. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. (laughs) But there was so much transition that you had to go through too, to find another job. I mean, that was a big part of it Yeah, to get reacquainted like with your family, because you had a son when we met who Mm -hmm. was five at the time. So that was a big deal of like figuring out where you were going to live and, you know, getting reacquainted with Aaron. So what was that like for you just getting back into civilian life? And I guess in that same question, how do you feel like your Navy service has helped you with jobs and life going forward? Yeah, it was sort of a difficult transition going from the steady paycheck, the military to trying to find something that fit within the realm of what I could do and what I was qualified for. And then at the same time where I felt valued. And that was the kind of difficult for me just because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And it was just hard to find something where I felt like I fit in. And and I think I, I job hopped from like different things to different things. And just it took me a while. And then I, I think I finally asked you for help where I'm like, please just 
help me find a real job, like a grown-up job, because I've been working at like restaurants. I worked doing shaved ice. Like it was just oddball stuff where it was like, just wasn't me. It, it undervalued the, the things I could be doing. And well, and I think because you had that culinary specialist experience, you thought like, oh, jumping into a restaurant is my next best step. It was kind of what you had been doing. But yeah, I am kind of a pro at getting you jobs. Thank you very you much. Sure are. <laughs> and, and I think I was too focused on what I did in the Navy and not as much on how I did what I did. Because mm. the, the part of my naval experience that makes me better in a job sense is the leadership that I had, where I had, I took initiative and owning up to, to things that weren't necessarily my fault, but I would own up to them because it, it's better just to find a solution than to stand around trying to figure out who to blame. And yes. that's my, my mantra in anything I do is I first and foremost want to solve the problem before I figure out how it happened. Yeah. I love that for you. I think that's been a big theme with you finding a good fit work-wise is if there is camaraderie between the people that you're working with and not putting the blame on any particular person and just getting the job done. All right, cool. Well, let's jump into the rapid fire questions. Are you ready for these? Yes. What app do you use the most on your phone? Oh, fantasy football. Okay. What is your go-to Starbucks order? Oh God, here we go. I get a venti caramel latte iced with soy, extra caramel, and I usually ask for it mixed or upside down or, you know, where it's all mixed together. And blonde espresso, do you still do that? I don't. I don't oh, do the blonde okay. espresso because there was a time period where they stopped offering it. So I stopped getting it. And then I guess my tastes changed on that. And I always get a warmed brownie. Oh yeah. You love their brownies from there. Okay. What is your favorite quote? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it. Um, it's along the lines of a great society is one where old men plant trees in which they'll never enjoy the shade. And it's a long, it's, it's like a, a Greek proverb that I just, the thought of it is like, it always gets me just the fact that an old person would plant a tree knowing that the shade of the tree will help the future generations and not worrying about how it helps them. Oh, I love that. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Oh, Honestly, I think the best concert that I always remember is the Nako concert that was out on the street that was just like just wild and crazy. And it was in like downtown Phoenix. And it just I can still remember like the trumpets because it just felt really personal, like where it was like there wasn't a whole lot of people there, but it, it felt like you're just in a great concert vibe. Yeah, that was fun. Nako and Medicine for the People, for mm -hmm. people who don't know him. It's N-A-H-K-O. That's how you spell Nako. Okay, what is your favorite number and why? 1,337, because it is leet speak for the word leet. And leet speak is where you use numbers instead of letters. And 1337 is L-E-E-T, leet. Oh, I, you've explained that to me before, but I never understood it until just right now. I just knew you liked 1337 and we <laughs> see it everywhere. Yeah. It's so weird. What is your Zodiac sign? Scorpio. 
What's your moon and rising? Uh, my moon is in Taurus. My yes. rising sign is Aries. Good job. What is your favorite city besides the one you live in? Ooh. You know, for a while, I would say San Diego because I used to live there. But after revisiting San Diego recently, I was not as impressed going back because I feel like it's kind of degraded. But aside from Phoenix or the greater Phoenix area, the city that I really, really enjoy visiting is Las Vegas. Ooh, good answer. I was not expecting that, but I feel like that fits for you. Yeah, it, it feel like every time I go to Las Vegas, it's somehow better than the last time I went. And it's it, it feels like they're always doing something to just improve on, upon what they already have. And whereas a lot of other places I visit, it feels like they're trying to keep things the same. And in doing so, it, it kind of degrades it. Yes, we need another Vegas trip soon. I want to mm-hmm. go there. Okay, who was your first celebrity crush? It's a close tie between Mandy Moore and, and a very obscure actress from a show from Disney called Halloween Town. Her name was Kimberly J. Brown. You know, when you're a kid, you're just like, oh, I really like this person. So that's cute. Okay. And then the last question, that's kind of a bigger one. What do you want your legacy to be? I want people to remember me as kind, caring, and empathetic and just willing to do whatever to help someone. Hmm. I love that. And if people want to connect with you online, where is the best place to find you? One of the places I'm most active is actually on Twitter. And my handle is I, Mr. Anderson. So I-M-R-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. My Twitter name is Cardinals Mandalorian because kind of taken on that persona of the times I go to the Cardinals games and I wear the the stuff I've 3D printed and kind of own that, uh, the alter ego. I love it. Cool. So I'm Mr. Anderson on Twitter. And my last question, what are you going to go get for free on Veterans Day? There's all kind of free stuff you can get on Veterans Day. And Andrew likes to take the day off so that he can go eat breakfast one place and lunch one place and dinner another place because every place always offers delicious food for free for vets. So I really haven't looked into who is offering what, but my favorite all-time free giveaway thing that they do is Outback Steakhouse offers a Bloomin' Onion and a Coke, which is like... (laughs) Bloom and onions, like my favorite thing from Outback Steakhouse, aside from getting like a steak or, or something like that. But the Bloom and onions, like perfect. And they offer me a Coke, which is like my drink. So, <laughs> all right, let's go there for dinner tonight. <laughs> all right. Well, it. thank you for being on the podcast. We have to do this again with another more like personal relationship episode, but I love you and I'm proud of you. And thank you again for serving our country. Thank you for having me. And I'm so proud of all the hard work you're doing on this podcast. I, I know not everyone can see all the the background stuff, but I I see all the stuff that you, uh, you put into making each episode, you know, perfect and and getting it out for everyone to be able to listen to it. Aw, thanks, babe. I love you. Love you too. 
All right, friends, that was today's episode. I hope that you really enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about Andrew and his time in the Navy. And I just want to give a very special thank you to all those who served, whether you were a veteran or maybe a loved one that was left behind at home. Thank you for your service. And today we honor you. And I hope that you really feel the love and that you may be connected with something on Andrew's episode. This is the part of the episode where I give some takeaways from the show, but today I just really want to encourage you to go thank a veteran in your life. I think we all know somebody who has served. Um, If you don't, then go and actively seek somebody out. But today, find somebody, find a veteran, say thank you, and ask about their story. I know that a lot of people don't really want to share their stories, um, especially if they've been affected in times of war, but I really encourage you to ask questions about their service because it's such a meaningful part of their life that often we forget to ask about. And it's so special to be able to share those memories with a veteran. So it was really awesome for me to hear these stories from Andrew, a lot of which I hadn't heard since maybe we first started dating. It had been a while. And to really have these documented and now a record for people in the future to be able to listen to as well. So I hope you enjoyed listening to his story today. Go ask a veteran about their story and and of course, thank them with deepest respect. And another thing that we referenced on the show, if this is something you're interested, is sending care packages to soldiers. I have used the website before, anysoldier.com. That's A-N-Y-S-O-L-D-I-E-R.com. I have no affiliation with them. I honestly don't even really know much about the work that they do. But if that is something that feels like it's calling to you, definitely check out that website and even just Google send a soldier a care package and you'll find lots of opportunities to be able to do that for somebody. And with that, I will sign off and say happy Veterans Day. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you heard something that will inspire you to be your best selfie. If you liked what you heard, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your socials or review it through Apple Podcasts. This podcast is still really new, so sharing and reviewing will help spread the word to the people who need to hear it. And I would love to connect with you. Reach out on Instagram at and and let me know your takeaways from this episode. I'll be back next week with another new episode, and until then, don't ever let your mind stop you from having a good time. Podcast.